All right. Good morning. All right. So I'm super excited for this morning. I'm excited because uh, I get to be in here with you all and share this message. Now, I guess normally on a Sunday morning, you probably see me just walking around the lobby or uh, you see me standing right outside the commons because normally I'm in there uh, teaching the students and having all the fun that we get to have in student ministry. But this morning I'm in here with you guys and truth be told, even if it's just one Sunday, I miss being in there. I'm not saying that they're better than you, but they are. Uh, Now I'm excited to be here uh, and just share this message with you. Now, the one thing I get a lot about working with students, and I'm sure a lot of you that are parents will understand this, I get asked a ton of questions. And when I think about it, life is is really just a bunch of different questions. Uh, Some of the questions that I get asked are, why is the sky blue? Is water wet? How do fish breathe? Um, Where do babies come from? Yeah, they get asked a lot, and I tell them to talk to their parents. (laughs) Then we have some of the most common questions in life. We have, where do you want to eat? Now, I never know the answer to that question. Uh, And then parents, I'm sure you've heard this one before. Are we there yet? Like, I'm tired of being in the car. Then we have one of my favorite questions. And honestly, it's one that I think about way too much. Uh, does the bug know the windshield is coming? Think about it. Think about it, right? Is, is the bug just flying around and like, bam, windshield, dead? Or is it trying to fly away like, ah, and then never is fast enough and it's dead? That's, think about it. It's a real great question that I don't think I'll ever know the answer to. Then we have some of the more serious questions in life. Are you a cat or dog person? That's a serious question. I I need to know the answer to that one. Um, We have questions like, will you marry me? Questions like, do you believe in God? Where do you go to church? You see, life is centered around a bunch of questions that one day we're gonna have to answer. Like the one we're gonna look at this morning from Quest 52. Who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? How about this? When I say the name Jesus, what image pops into your head? Maybe you think of Jesus with flowing brown hair, holding a lamb everywhere he goes. He's carrying the lamb. No matter what he's doing, he has the lamb with him. For some of you, it might be like buff Jesus. You know, he's, he's big and he's got big muscles. And, or if you're Ricky Bobby... You think of uh, an eight pound, six ounce infant little baby Jesus. If you type Jesus in a Google image search, you will get so many different versions of Jesus that pop up, it becomes impossible to figure out which one is the real Jesus. But let's set aside the physical appearance. What characteristics of the person come to mind? Maybe your Jesus is super loving and would never hurt a fly and only compliments people. Maybe your Jesus is a freedom fighter who goes against the system. Your Jesus might be an extrovert who's the life of the party. And yet someone else would argue that Jesus is an introvert and would go off on his own and say wise things like he was a Hebrew Yoda. Everyone in this room 
has a version of Jesus in their mind. But one of the craziest things about this question of who is Jesus is that it's not even a new question. Jesus actually asked his disciples in Matthew 16. Let's look at that together. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? Uh, the son of man is actually just the title that Jesus would use to refer to himself. So he was really saying, who do the people say that I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? These are the people who were the closest to Jesus. They were with Jesus every day. And Jesus asked them, well, who do you say I am? Actually, Mark Moore in the book calls this the, the DTR talk between Jesus and his disciples. Some of you knew exactly what I meant when I said DTR, but some of you were standing right there. I was like, I have no idea what he just said. Well, DTR means to define the relationship. You know, that's the uncomfortable conversation was asked, what are we doing here? Are we more than friends? Are we just friends? Like what's going on? There's a lot of people in this room that had a flashback to having the DTR talk with someone in their life. Like for me, I thought of the time I said, hey, I really like spending time with you. Like, do you want to be more than friends? Then we had that moment that in my mind took years, but it was like a few seconds waiting for the response. This DTR talk is really common in romantic relationships, but I think it's also a conversation that happens in business partnerships and just friendships in general. This was the conversation that Jesus was having with his disciples. He started off asking who they said he was, but then he changed the question. And you see, I actually love the way that Mark Moore puts it when he says this, Jesus had already heard all the gossip. He already knew who they said he was. So he focused the question, who do you say I am? Because that's what really matters. And it matters just as much to us. At some point, we'll have to answer this question, whether here or in eternity. This is one of the most important questions we're gonna have to answer. What we say here matters because the way that we follow Jesus will be 100% affected by who he is to us. The way that we follow Jesus is 100% affected by who he is to us. So Jesus asked who the people say I am and they gave him answers, John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, or just another prophet. But he already knew all that. He then asked him the same question he was asking all of us this morning, who do you say I am? And Peter answered Jesus. He said this, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the power of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whether you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Then he sternly warned the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Peter answered, said, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. 
Peter knew exactly who Jesus was. You see, the word Messiah just means anointed one. So Peter declared that Jesus was the anointed one. Jesus was the, was the one that was promised to restore us to a relationship with God. Not only is Jesus the promised one, but he is all powerful. He is the son of the living God. He is capable. He's the cure to our sin. He's the only one that can save us. And then Peter calls him the Christ. Which is a title that wouldn't have been new to the people that were around. You see, Christ is a title that means kingship. It's a title that actually Caesar used. It was actually on the back of coins, calling Caesar the anointed one, calling Caesar the anointed king. So for the disciples that were there, Christ wouldn't have been a new term. And Peter looked at Jesus and said, you are my Messiah. You are my Christ. You are my King, who do you say Jesus is? Is he your king? Does he have kingship over your life? Jesus then looked at Peter and says, you are blessed because my father in heaven revealed this to you. You're now be called Peter, which is rock. And upon that rock, I'm gonna build my church and there's no power in hell that will conquer it. Anything you permit will be permitted in heaven. Anything you forbid will be forbidden in heaven. Jesus gave Peter the keys to the kingdom of heaven. That's a very big deal when you think about it. He gave him keys to the kingdom of heaven. Now, these weren't actually keys. Jesus didn't reach in his pocket. He'd be like, here you go. Here's keys to the kingdom of heaven. The keys that Jesus gave Peter, they represented the authority to unlock the door of salvation. That's a huge deal. He gave Peter the authority to unlock the door to salvation. And here's the really cool thing about that. He gave Peter the keys and he built his church on the rock that is Peter. Because of that, we are part of the whole church. As believers, we share in that authority. And honestly, it's a responsibility to preach Jesus and announce his forgiveness to those who repent and make Jesus Lord. We, as believers, share the same authority and responsibility that Jesus gave to Peter right here in this passage. Peter was right. Jesus was and still is the Messiah, the Christ, the son of the living God. But what happens next, what happens next always confuses me. Jesus gave his disciples a stern warning not to share with anyone that he was the Messiah. That's always Confused me. Like, if the disciples, if they were wrong thinking he was John the Baptist, Elijah, Elisha, or what, another prophet, Jeremiah, if they were wrong with who he was, and they were the ones who spent every day with him, shouldn't they go tell everyone that Jesus was the Messiah? But you see, Jesus was not ready to reveal to the world that he was the promised Messiah because Jesus knew that he needed to live his life in a way that would prove he was the Messiah. For Jesus to be the Messiah, he needed to pay the ultimate price for our sins by surrendering his life to ours. To put it more simply, Jesus needed to die so that we could live. 
But Jesus needed to go beyond conquering our sins. He had to conquer death. And the signs that would be proof that he was the Messiah was his death and resurrection. So Jesus told them not to say anything because he knew he still had to live in a way that proved he was the Messiah. Matthew then continues in his gospel when he says this, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem, that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders and the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. He'd be killed, but on the third day he'd be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Jesus began to tell his disciples all that was gonna happen to him. He had to go to Jerusalem. He had to be arrested. He had to be killed, but he would raise from the dead. Jesus told all of them this, and this is what happened. Peter took him aside. Peter was like this, hey, Jesus, come here. Let's get away from all of them for a second. And he reprimanded him. Could you imagine reprimanding and rebuking Jesus in that moment? Like Jesus, he pulled him aside and was like, that's not gonna happen to you. Like heaven forbid, Lord. The funny thing about him saying heaven forbid, Lord, in my eyes is uh, God sent Jesus down here. So heaven kind of made it happen. Like heaven forbid, Lord, uh, heaven kind of made it happen and knew what had to be done. Peter, the same guy that called Jesus the Messiah, the Christ, the King, got it wrong right afterwards. Part of me here is thinking, Peter, what happened? Just a few verses ago, you were declaring who Jesus was and now you're being called Satan. But the more I think about it, the more I understand You see, we here today, all of us today, we have the benefit of knowing how the story ends. We have the benefit of knowing about the death and resurrection. If you were Peter and you spent day after day after day with Jesus and you finally understood who he really was, and you've been told of the coming savior who was going to make things right and you finally saw it was Jesus and you called him the Christ, you called him the king, you called him the Messiah and he says, hey, I'm gonna die. I think I would have been the same way. I'd be like, no, you're not. (laughs) The more I think about it, if we put ourselves in Peter's shoes, I think a lot of us would have said the same thing. Jesus then looks at him and says, get behind me, Satan. Get away from me, Satan. Peter messed up so bad that Jesus called him Satan because Peter was trying to do the same thing that Satan tried to do when he tempted Jesus in the wilderness. Peter was tempting Jesus to avoid the cross. Jesus then would turn to his disciples and say what is honestly Jesus' most frequent-sided saying. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. 
If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. And I tell you the truth. Some standing here right now will not die before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. You must take up your cross and follow me. We're not called just to follow Jesus. But we're called to pick up our cross. Which doesn't sound pleasant. Doesn't sound like a fun thing to do. But we're not just called to follow. We're called to pick up our cross. But when we do that, when we pick up our cross, something beautiful actually happens. Mark Moore, he puts it this way. When Jesus died on the cross, he saved the world from her sins. When we die on our cross, we save society from hers. Through selfless love and service, we can bring healing to communities. Not only is the cross Jesus' path to victory, it's ours too. If we lay down our lives, God will raise us up. When we lay down our lives, when we pick up our cross and we lay our life down, we don't lose it. We actually find, find it. We find our lives when we pick up our cross and follow Christ. When we follow the King, when we follow the Messiah, when we do that, we don't lose our lives, we actually find it. But for us to truly to do this, to truly follow the King, there is something we must do. And for me, it shows when we read the the message paraphrase that says this. Then Jesus went to work on his disciples. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Anyone who tends to come with Jesus, anyone who wants to follow the king has to let him lead. And remember that Jesus is in the driver's seat. There's a lot of us today that would say, Jesus, I'm following you. Wherever you say, I'm going. I'm gonna follow the king. But when it comes down to it, we don't wanna go where he's calling us. What we really mean is, well, As long as the road that Jesus wants me to go down is comfortable. And actually, I want to go down there. Yeah, I'll follow Jesus if it's comfortable. That's not what Jesus wants from us. Let me ask you this question. Is Jesus your steering wheel or your spare tire? Is he your steering wheel or your spare tire? I know what all of you are thinking right now. I thought it too. Jesus, take the wheel. Take it from, all right, okay. But seriously, think about it. Is he your steering wheel or your spare tire? The car goes where the steering wheel leads. Spare tire is just along for the ride. Be honest with yourself. Which one is Jesus? Is he 
the steering wheel of your car, going down the road of life? Or is he just there when you get a flat? I'll be the first to admit, I like to say he's my steering wheel. I like to say he's leading me. But when it comes down to it, I really like to have control of where I'm going. And whenever the road gets uncomfortable, I don't like it. I kind of reach over from the passenger seat and I try to steer it where I want to go. See your steering wheel or your spare tire. Is he just going along for the ride or is he leading you wherever you go? See your steering wheel or your spare tire. See the question that Jesus puts in front of us today is who do you say I am? In preparing for this message, I asked this question. In one word, who do you say Jesus is? One word. I'm gonna share with you some of the answers I got. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Savior. Jesus is my hero. I know that's two words, but I really liked it. Jesus is friend. Jesus is love. Jesus is peace. Jesus is Messiah. Jesus is him. He is healer. He is forgiver. He is shepherd. He is redeemer. And Jesus is mercy. Who do you say Jesus is? My answer, my answer to this question, Jesus is peace. He's peace. He is love. He is my healer. He is my friend. He is my redeemer. He is Christ. He is Messiah. He is my steering wheel. And most importantly, He's my king. Who do you say Jesus is? Maybe you don't know. Or sometimes you question who he really is to you. Or maybe you've never thought about who Jesus is. If I wanna challenge you with something. I want you to think about that question. Who is Jesus? Who do I say is Jesus? Think about that question. I want you to write your answer in one sentence. Say, Jesus is. And I want you to share it with someone. I bet if I asked everyone in this room, who is Jesus to you? I would get hundreds of different answers. And the beautiful thing is this. They're all right. Jesus is. Who do you say Jesus is? This morning we've been talking about who we say Jesus is, but I wanna wrap up by sharing who Jesus says that we are. When he looks at us, he sees a son and a daughter of the king. He sees someone who's been adopted into the king's family. We have a place at the king's table. We have a room in the king's castle. And this is the best one. We have a place in the king's heart. When Jesus looks at us, he says, 
you're loved. You are cared for and you have a place with me. All he wants, all Jesus wants is to just be the king of our life. And maybe today is the day you're ready to give up the steering wheel and let Jesus lead. Some of us, maybe we have a death grip on the steering wheel because we don't wanna give up control. But maybe it's time for us today to, to give the steering wheel over and we just get in the back seat and we say, Jesus, I'll go wherever you lead me. I'll go. You're in the driver's seat, not me. Maybe we need to do that today. And maybe this morning, there is something in you that says, I gotta give up the steering wheel. I can't keep doing this. I gotta let Jesus lead. I gotta give him control. I gotta make him the king of our life. Well, don't ignore that feeling. Do it today. Don't ignore that feeling. Do it this morning. Please come talk to us. We'd love to talk to you and pray for you to make a decision to make Jesus the king of your life. Maybe some of you today, you need to physically let go of a steering wheel. You understand that you've been holding control for so long and you need to give it up. Well, I'm gonna leave the steering wheel right here. And if you need to do that, please do that this morning. Who do you say Jesus is? Is he your steering wheel or is he your spare tire? Would you pray with me? God, we love you. And we're so thankful that when you look at us, you see someone who is loved and cared for. We're so thankful that you have given us a place at your table, a room in your castle, a place in your heart. God, I ask that you would help us today to let you lead give you the steering wheel, to get in the back seat and just go along for the ride. Help us do that this morning. God, we love you. We're so thankful for you. Let me pray. Amen.